G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. So I um, got to, to see elephants this one particular time. I got to ride an elephant and I got to be entertained by a bunch of elephants. So elephants playing soccer, uh, elephants that were painting, that were being cheeky and like taking people's hats and stuff. Um, no, no, in the, in the real, like I watched it actually happen in Thailand um, and I absolutely hated it. Absolutely hated it. Didn't want to be there. I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Worst idea. Um, there may be a little bit of the, you know, the, the elephants enjoy this in my mind, but it was more just what I experienced immediately before it. Um, so I was with a group of 11 people that went from my church over to Thailand uh, and we spent a bunch of time teaching English um, in a remote community with some really poor people. Um, so the village where we were, there was one person that owned a car, uh, there wasn't electricity, very, very basic. Um, but I got to, to hang out with a bunch of people who absolutely loved the Lord. I got to hang out with some of those who were locals, as well as uh, a few that had come over from India. Uh, and they were so passionate, so on fire for Jesus. And it was just interesting, my perspective change. If I had have had the elephant experience at the start of my trip, I'm sure it would have resonated in a different way to the end of the trip. What I just experienced definitely shaped my experience um, with the elephants. I remember talking to a friend of mine probably 10 years after that uh, who had served in Eastern Europe as a missionary um, and he returned to Australia after a number of years working amongst um, some really, really poor communities and he went to a friend's house and he, he'd been to this friend's house before so you know these guys were in their late 20s. Uh, this friend that he was visiting was a you know, young professional doing really well for himself um, and his house in a very wealthy uh, suburb near the city uh, just had a freshly renovated kitchen and so he's been showing this kitchen you know his friends got great pride and look what we did look how amazing this is and he described just feeling sick to the stomach he had experienced incredible poverty and then he sees what seems like an absolute waste. And his response was feeling sick to the stomach. We can probably all relate to this kind of experience where something different has captured our attention. We've been exposed to something else. We've been in a community where the emphasis is different. And then we come back into something that we might see as being entertaining or normal and suddenly we react to it in a really negative way. Because what we surround ourselves with, what we focus on, has a massive, massive toll on what we enjoy and what we give ourselves to. I think Christian camps often work really well on the positive for this, where you're in an environment for a period of time where you're focused on Jesus with a whole bunch of people that are focused on Jesus and all of a sudden the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace because suddenly we're focused on him much more than we're focused on the peripheral things, the distracting things. 
we're going to spend some time today looking at fasting, but also the ascetic practices in general. Um, we don't often talk about it in the Western church. There's certainly um, some areas of the, the church where these are practiced a lot, um, and there's some places where uh, they're getting more credence, but still, in general, the ascetic practices that be probably people um, in this room who are like, what do you mean by ascetic? Because we don't talk about it. Ascetic practices are when we deny ourselves something that would be considered normal. So fasting is an obvious one. You deny yourself of food. It's considered normal, all right, to eat. We all eat. It's a regular practice. But fasting is a time where you say, I am not going to eat because I'm going to focus on something else. But one of the traps that we find with any of these sorts of things is that it can so easily become about the thing that we're saying no to. And so the whole focus is around that. About 10 years ago, I was invited by a friend to go to America. And he's like, two weeks, epic trip, my shout. Um, and I said no to it. And we just started, we had a, um, a sabbatical, had a year where it was like, we had three young kids, so four, two, Hudson wasn't yet one, um, and the focus was very much about me not working, spending time with the family. It just didn't fit with what we were seeking to do. And for me to say to Christy, I'm not going to America because I'm spending time with our family, to say at once that could be like a, a real affirmation of our family. But for me, every day of that trip that my friend's enjoying over in America, if I'm like, I'm not in America, because I'm here and focused on our family, it's going to get old pretty quick. And it's going to be more about what I'm not doing rather than what I am doing. And so the focus becomes about either poor me or amazing me. Look how good I am, what I said no to. How good am I? How lucky are you to have a husband like me? How lucky are these kids to have a father like me? And we've seen that throughout history with the church. There are ridiculous things that have been done in this ascetic realm. There are people who literally built a podium. There was like this competition that ended up happening between people building these podiums that were not big enough to lie down on. All right, so the idea being, I am gonna deny myself the comfort of being able to lie down flat. And so they would spend extended periods of time up on this thing, they'd need their disciples to come and bring them the basics, like the occasional bit of food, um, and to take the bucket of their own waste. They wouldn't leave like the space. Take the bucket of their waste and deal with it. And then, you know, disgusting stuff. But it becomes about, look at me. It has been three years since I had a proper night's sleep lying down. How amazing am I? It can so easily become that. It can so easily become about the thing that we're saying no to, that we forget what we're saying yes to. I think about the, the Garden of Eden, and it's pretty well known about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and how God said, you may eat from any tree in the garden except for this one. We often forget the first part of that statement. You may eat from any tree in the garden. There were hundreds if not thousands of trees i'm sure that they were able to eat from god has given them permission to go nuts 
eat from any of these trees. There's one you can't eat from. If God hadn't said, God had created only one tree and said, don't eat from the only form of sustenance you can have, like that would be pretty messed up. But no, they had so many options, but they had one they needed to say no to. Often we get so focused on what we're saying no to, we don't realise what we have access to. And it can be worse than that. We get so caught up in what we're saying no to that we don't enjoy what we then get to say yes to. We say no to these things, not because they're so bad. We say no to these things because God is so good. And we want to actually shift our focus from these things that can distract us onto Him who can actually fulfill us. If Esther, who played so beautifully for me, for me, she played so beautifully for me before, uh, for all of us. Wow, it's not about me, no. If she was to come to me and say, I haven't eaten for the past three days, like full of pride, like how good am I holding for last? I would not be excited about her having not eaten for the last three days. I would be concerned. And I think for us, we can think with fasting that God is going to be impressed with stuff like that. But for me as a father, I'm not impressed with my daughter saying, I'm starving myself. I don't want her to starve herself. I want her to be healthy. God wants us to be healthy. This is not about a hunger strike to try and get his attention. We fast not to get his attention. We fast so that we can give him our attention. We already have his attention and he's actually already speaking to us. We can think, if I fast, maybe he'll start talking. He's already talking. If we fast, we might actually be able to hear him. Because some of those things that become a source of comfort, a source of security for us, get put out of the way so that we can focus on him. The idea of a comfort zone has been talked about so many times in the recent decades and get out of your comfort zone. I'm not entirely convinced. I'll say this though. The Holy Spirit will never take you out of any comfort zone unless that comfort zone is not him. So he'll take you out of lots of comfort zones. <laughs> Your comfort can come from all sorts of different things. And comfort and convenience have cost the church heaps. Because so much of the time we are guided by things that are easy for us, things that are convenient for us, things that feel comfortable, that don't really rock the boat too much. But we're actually designed to find our comfort in Jesus. And for us to set aside other comforts can help us to receive the genuine, true, complete, unshakable comfort that is found in Jesus. So there is benefit in doing these things. I want to read to you a scripture. There's some Bibles down here. If you've got your phone, if you've got a Bible with you, I encourage you to open up to Isaiah chapter 58. And this is talking about this idea of fasting. And it's, it's from that place of, God, I have been fasting. I have... I don't know if you've ever done this, but 
times where you go, all right, I'm going to do this because I know God's going to do that. It's like, I'm going to get up early in the morning and I'm going to spend time with the Lord and I know I'm going to have this amazing, static experience. We may not even think that, but we're actually expecting. We're expecting a bit of, if I do this, then God, you better do that. Otherwise, I'm not going to continue. Here we have that exposed um, with the Israelite people. So verse 3 of Isaiah 58, page 666 in my Bible, in case you're wondering. Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. This is the people of Israel crying out to the Lord. Look, this is God responding. You do as you please on the day of your fast, and you oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. In other words, these people are doing something which is actually denying themselves. So it could be a really positive experience. But they're in there denying themselves this one thing. They're still very self-centered. They're actually making life bad for other people in the process. They're not actually focused on the Lord. They're not actually focused on serving others. They're so focused on what they're denying themselves of and they're being selfish in so many different areas. So here is um, more of this response, verse 5. Will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? We're about to find out that he's got an alternative for us in verse 6. Isn't this the fast I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house to clothe the naked when you see him and not to ignore your own flesh and blood. If we continue that analogy of my daughter coming to me and saying, I've fasted. If she was to come to me and say, I didn't eat lunch today because there's this kid that comes to school, never ever has lunch. And so I gave my lunch to them. Then I'm going to be excited. Not for her just to deny herself for no purpose, but if she's doing it because she sees a bigger picture and she sees need and she's helping somebody else, then it's like, wow, that is cause for celebration. That is a beautiful thing. Look at the response to this in verse 8. Then your light will appear like the dawn and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you and satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You'll be like a watered garden 
and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. And then there's a pretty good argument for the Sabbath um, in the rest of that particular chapter. But it's telling us that there is an alternative to these ascetic practices becoming just about us. We are called to say no to things, but let's not get so caught up in what we're saying no to that we forget why we're doing it in the first place. It's not so much what we're fasting from, it's what we're fasting for. That's a really big deal. Not so much what we're fasting from, but it's what we're fasting for. It's a little bit like repentance. Repentance is a turning to Jesus. Often we talk about turning from your sin, which is accurate, but the bigger deal about repentance is who we're turning to. That's more important than what we're turning from. Because if the only thing we think about is turning from our sin, you can turn from whatever sin trips you up to pride that you're not doing that sin anymore. But if you're turning to Jesus, then you're actually turning to the whole purpose of life. That we would be in close relationship with him, love him, receive what he has for us. Let's not get caught up in what we're fasting from, but let's focus in on what we're fasting for. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Um, I encourage you to flip over there. We'll just read those couple of verses. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 15. Um, this is the start of a year, and I don't know if you're into New Year's resolutions or not, but there's something about the start of a year where people tend to be more open to, to change and just more aware of the passing of time. We're like, I don't want to waste 2021. I want to actually make the most of this year. I want to get to the end of this year and be able to go, I'm so glad I put that in place and I put that in place. Not get to the end of the year and be like, oh man, I was passive in this area and that area again. And I didn't actually make the most of what was available to me. And this passage just here, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, I think hits up on some of this. So Ephesians 5 verse 15, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. When it says there the days are evil, essentially the default for us, what we're surrounded with is actually going to lead us away from Jesus. If we are not proactive in chasing after the things of the Lord, then we are going to be saturated with the things of the world. And it's not going to lead us towards greater godliness. It's not going to be fruitful for God's kingdom. It actually is stuff that leads to destruction. The days are evil, so we need to be wise. It continues on. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. And that sentence continues on with some things that might look like. But for us, the focus is being filled with Him. And the reality is, if we are continually consuming the things of this world, 
it is very hard for us to be filled with the Spirit. What I'm talking about today is not your salvation. Your salvation is His work and it's our belief. It's our trust in His finished work on the cross. In order for us to be effective in life though, we want to say no to the distractions and yes to Him. In order for us to actually live with peace and joy, we say no to the distractions and yes to Him and what He's doing, that we would be filled with the Spirit. There's this thing as we read through Acts where it describes the disciples as being filled with the Spirit. It happens in chapter 2, but it happens again in chapter 4. So these same people that were filled with the Spirit previously have a refilling that happens later on and describes at different times, filled with the Spirit. So even as people who have been saved, even as people who have been filled with the Spirit once, it is possible for us to be operating where we are primarily influenced by other things. To be filled by the Spirit is to allow ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit, to have Him dominate what we do. I simply want to give um, three things, three reasons why we might fast. The first one, like last week, if you had the privilege of, of being here, you would have heard um, me with some alliteration, like just using the same letter at the start of a whole bunch of different words. You're welcome. You can listen to it on the podcast if you weren't here. Um, today, I'm just going for three words that all start with the letter D. Um, anything I can do just to, just to help. You know, you're, you're welcome. We don't, we don't fast to get his attention. We fast because we have it and we want to actually hear what he has to say. So the first one is to discover. Yeah, you can write that down. That's fine. We want to discover what God is saying. We also want to discern what he's saying. It's one thing to be aware that he's speaking, but it's something else to actually understand it. And if we're discerning it, we are understanding it. And the final piece is to do it. We want to put it into practice. We want to do what he says. And fasting can help us in each of these areas. So last week, I said how maybe we're not hungry for the things of God because we're so full of the things of this world. In a similar way, maybe we're not hearing what he's saying because there's so much noise. There is so much distraction that is going on for us that we don't actually hear what he is saying. As we read through John's Gospel, it's a really interesting one about the next D, the discernment piece, the understanding piece. As you read chapter 3, he asks this question of Nicodemus. It's a very famous section of scripture that includes John 3, 16, uh, where Jesus also talks about you must be born again. And it becomes really clear that Nicodemus is attentive to what Jesus is saying. So he's discovered that Jesus is speaking, but he's not discerning it. Jesus actually says to him, 
You are either a teacher or the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. I speak to you of earthly things you don't understand. I'm not going to speak to you about heavenly things. So for Nicodemus, he had the discover piece, but he was struggling with the discernment piece. And in a similar way, you've got the woman at the well in chapter 4 of John, and you have his disciples that come back um, after he's been speaking to the woman at the well, and Jesus says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. They're not understanding what it is that Jesus is doing and what it is that he's saying. Because their worldview is shaped by something else. Like us scrolling, spending hours and hours a day getting our worldview shaped by social media or spending hours in front of other screens allowing that to dominate us or spending hours listening to different friends with their opinions and understanding of things speaking to us and shaping our worldview. It is very hard to discern and understand the things of God if our worldview, our primary way of seeing things is different to His. It doesn't align, it is different. It is an upside down kingdom that Jesus preaches. It is different to the world around us. And it continues on. So, I mean, John 6 is a really good example. You have him um, talking about eat my flesh, drink my blood. People walk away. And we understand that from worldly perspective. But he speaks different. It's a different kingdom. It's a different way of seeing the world. We want to discover. We want to discern. And we want to do. There is something powerful about having control over your desires. There's nothing more base level, really, than food and desiring to eat. Like, we get up. And I've preached on this before and noted the irony of preparing a sermon on fasting and then finding myself standing in front of the fridge or standing in front of the pantry like distracted by my own desire for food. It is so prevalent that we would be taken away from what we're called to do by our basic desires. And there's certainly destructive desires, but there's these desires that are not bad, but can still control us in a way and stop us from actually having victory in these different areas. So we want to be doers. It's not enough to simply discover that he's speaking. It's not enough to simply discern what that means for us. We have to do it. Got to put it into practice. And if we can have victory over those small things, it goes a long way. It speaks to the heavenlies and says, I'm not for sale. It speaks to our own soul, says I'm not for sale, and to those around us. And it's incredible the testimony, the power of testimony in our own lives when we can say no to something in order to say a bigger yes to something that is far more important. I'm really curious about um, Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 9 where he says, I beat my body and I make it my slave. It's a pretty intense fella. 
I beat my body and I make it my slave. He did not want to be disqualified by his own temptations, the things that would come up that would take him away. I will not be mastered by anything, he said also in 1 Corinthians. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. I will not be mastered by anything. So please don't hear this today and have as your takeaway, I need to stop eating, I need to stop doing this, I need to stop doing that. We just need to chase after him more and put away anything that will stop us. Focus is on him. We want more of him. And in order to say, we can't have everything, you know? We can't do it all. We have to say no. I fast because I don't want to miss what God is saying. I don't want to be distracted by the world. I don't want to depend upon anything else more than Jesus. It's not that I no longer need food. It's just that it's not my master. I'm not a slave to my feelings. And it doesn't get any more base level than food. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to go eat. How does that? (laughs) Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that we get to be your family. Thank you for everything that you achieved upon that cross. Thank you that we have so much more of your life to learn from and not just the cross. Thank you that we get to, to learn from all those interactions that you have with people. And I pray, Lord, that we would be shaped by your life and our life would resemble yours. That we would not um, be, be weak, but we would be strengthened by you. That we would say no to the things that would lead us astray and lead us away from you. So we can say a massive yes to you and the things that you are doing in us, the things that you are doing in those around us, and the things that you seek to do um, in this community and beyond. So Father, would you have your way in us? Would you help shape our thinking and our understanding about you and about everything that we see? And would you do it for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. I love this topic. There's so much to it. Christy and I have just uh, finished a Daniel fast, which is just didn't do sugar. Um, We basically had fruit and veg, brown rice, um, nuts, nuts, water, that sort of thing. And just said no to a bunch of things for a little while. And probably three years ago was the most regular time that I fasted from food uh, for periods of time. During that time, my father-in-law, who just turned 77 today, I think he did a 21-day fast, uh, no food during that time. Um, These things are possible, but it's not like, let's all get around that. It's like, let's work out what we're fasting for and focus on that and get rid of the things that would stop us from really engaging uh, in those. Um, So feel no guilt as you eat. But contemplate what this means for you. Consider where to from here. Um, Consider what is something that you can say no to 
but focus more on what you're saying yes to. And so one thing for Christy and I, really simple thing that we've, we've been doing is a 10-minute timer to pray together each day. Um, and so we'll set that timer and just make sure that we are investing time and, you know, we can go beyond that. Other times we get to the 10 minutes and we stop. Um, but it's just a saying yes to something that's really important that we can easily miss in the business of the day. So God bless you guys. I really encourage you to consider this and chat about it as we head out um, into the other space.